You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Hey, that's pretty good. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors win over the Detroit Pistons, of course. Um, Some people say there's a curse. Some people say there's not. Some people don't believe in all that. But the truth of the matter is the Raptors have been losing games uncharacteristically against these Pistons, despite profiling as a much better team for a long time now. And tonight, in what many people I'm sure will come to know as the Delano Banton game, they win 115 to 111. This is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. At Goldfinger, you only pay if you win. And you can contact them at, I believe, 416-730-1777. And so, yes, the Dolan Banton game in many facets because there was some burgeoning on-ball creation. There was some catch-and-shoot stuff. There were some plays made defensively. Uh, also on the defensive end, OG Ananobi, once again, it says he had, what, zero steals? That seems incorrect after this game. I guess it's maybe the steel block corollary that uh, Fred Van Vliet has been through at some point. But he, he was also fantastic defensively, changing point of attack creators, be it Ivy, be it Killian Hayes, be it you know a- any number of the wings on the Pistons who are trying to initiate or dropping past guys to play Rover and disrupt other actions for the, for the Pistons, helping out a little bit on the glass too. It was really nice to look at a team that was struggling with Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and Precious Achua out. Kem Birch made available for this one, but not playing a huge factor. Just to see them be able to go to their bench, you know, portions of the game, it's Malachi Flynn. Over the course of the game, Delano is the guy who makes that big difference. Jeff Doughton, uh, a guy who many people within the Raptors writers community have been cheering for. Um, some quiet, some loud. Everybody wants success for this guy, though. He's been great with the 905 so far, but he stays up with the team and he ends up guarding on, you know, Jaden Ivey, the main guy for the Pistons in this one on one of, I guess, like their penultimate offensive possession and gets a block. And this is when the game is is still in the balance and there's there's defensive plays to be made to create impact to create change, and Jeff Delton, fresh out of the 905, fresh out of the G League, he steps up, and he's able to make it. He stays in front for a, a part of the possession. Maybe Ivy gets the edge, but the help side defense steps up a little bit. He has to go to the opposite side of the rim. Delton meets him there. Just really nice defense, and it's awesome to see when they were looking for any type of positive play from a bunch of different spots on the roster, considering how shorthanded they are, that they found it. Sometimes you don't. I mean, we watched them lose two winnable games, one in a blow to Oklahoma City, one in a very, very winnable game against the Pacers. And those tertiary, some, you know, some primary performances where guys are thrust into that role, they just didn't pop off. It's been OG Ananobi operating as that dude without it being coupled with anyone else. And Banton to come in 
27 points, four boards, four assists, three steals, two blocks, nine of 16 from the floor, three of seven from three, perfect from the line, which is especially meaningful because he was taking those late free throws and doing it all with only two turnovers. What, what else could you ask for? I mean, nobody would have asked for this, honestly. If you had asked, I'm pretty sure you could have pulled like 2,000 people prior to this game and said, hey, give me, give me a nice stat line for Delano Banton. Maybe somebody goes north of 20 on points, but they're probably not giving you that altogether performance. And so that was awesome to see. Chris Boucher, once again, tremendous off the bench. He's one of the best bench players in the NBA. He gives you 20. Uh, there was a, a portion in that second quarter where he had for himself, not as the team. I think it went three or four out of possessions at that time, but three straight possessions that he used where he hit mid-range jumpers, one of them being a step back, one of them coming off of like a pin down, almost as if he were Rip Hamilton, doing an homage of sorts to the the Detroit legend. Super cool to see. And then it just, these games, you have to hope you get stuff from places you don't usually. Thaddeus Young stepping in, not only as a meaningful defender, I'm at Blake's, as you can see from the apartment, we were kind of ooing and aahing at Thad's ability to, stand in front of Jaden Ivey, who's one of the best athletes in the NBA when he tries to snake a pick and roll or like split a double and turn it downhill that Thad opens those hips and kind of moves with them. That's crazy. And that's, that's a really great thing for him at his age, a veteran of, I guess, 16 years now moving with a guy like that. And then on the other side, being a true hub, and this is also something Blake kept reminding me of when we're watching this game is like, Hey, this is the worst defense in the league by some measure. Why wouldn't they be undone by some, you know, some, I guess, rudimentary like delay or split action stuff. And that's what the Raptors run with that up, you know, what, 19, 20 feet from the basket. They run that delay action. There's a back cut. Who's, who's going to make that pass better than Thad? Who's going to be the guy if you want to transition out of those possessions who you trust his handle, his ability to kind of protect the ball and move the ball across the top of the arc if you want to go into a handoff or something? They used him as a hub, and the returns on that I think were great. Like, he didn't score a bunch in this game, but six points, six boards, four assists, two steals, only four shot attempts. He's just quiet, not excellence, but quiet, confident, good, helped the Raptors move the ball, transition between sets sometimes there's a punch at the end of one of them it was just great that game Otto uh left this game with a sore left foot I don't know if we'll get more information or if this is just kind of like a sore little thing um even I don't yeah (laughs) he and Blake yeah living the same life stepped on something um I don't even think we got more information from Christian Coloco like it was like he had a hit pointer thing and then he was available to come back and it, I don't think it's been, you know, anybody's expanded on that. I'm not sure if we'll get anybody expand on Porter, but he left the game, uh, I believe, before the second half, honestly. But he played 12 minutes. It was very low-key. In the Raptors' motion, everybody's big uh, offense that they were running, Otto just wasn't the guy on the end of some of these plays, and that's fine. Um, all the best to him, though. Hope, he, hope he's better soon. Scotty, I know everybody's been waiting for scotty to emerge as the primary initiator and to make stuff happen all the time but as as we see in these games he's obviously not in his best run of form that's part of it but also scotty what he's been good at historically on offense is more of that connector stuff is being able to if one of pascal or fred is on the floor and absorbing some of that or you know, emitting some of their gravity to the rest of the defense, Scotty gets a little bit more time to play around in isolation without 
seeing that second level of defense without seeing a double or something like that. And that attention he's received being shaded, being gapped in some respects, right? We're seeing that he's having trouble navigating that because he's not beating his primary quickly so that he can always look ahead to the secondary. This is what we see with many elite players is you play around with the second level, not the first level most of the time. He's not good enough at beating his guy that he can start doing that. And also, he's he's having t- a tough time with that secondary level of defense, kind of stepping up and shading him and making decisions from there because he's a guy who you can tell he wants to make the perfect pass. He wants to be dangerous as a passer. He wants to create really good shots for his teammates. And when he's not moving the defense as much as he wants, he holds on to the ball a little bit too long, waiting for something, and sometimes he doesn't create anything better. This is this has been part of the the Scotty experience with with Fred gone with Pascal gone and I this shouldn't I think change anybody's mind about Scotty unless you unless you were somebody who thought like this is a guy whether it was last year or this year like you just hand the ball to and suddenly there's beautiful offense in front of you um I think he's still performing a lot of the things and still capable of performing a lot of the things that makes everybody so optimistic. It's it's a bad run of form, and we're seeing a little bit of warts in his game, but that's that's not such a big deal, I don't think. The, the bigger deal probably is in this game, he really struggled at the point of attack defensively again. But also, this isn't particularly new. His best stretches have always been as an off-ball guy. OG Ananobi, who I thought was awesome in this game, despite not being tremendously efficient 19 points on 19 shots uh the used possessions would be like 23 or something like that because well if you count turnovers probably like 25 or 26 19 points on that many used possessions isn't great but he had to keep the offense moving he had to be the guy he comes off a handoff and where other games he might not not even take it downhill right like he's going to take that handoff and transition into another look for pascal or fred maybe even gary But in this game, he needs to be the guy taking it downhill. He has to apply that pressure because he doesn't want to keep putting grenades in the hands of Scotty or or Delano or any guy like that, right? Malachi sometimes. And so OG, huge workload in this game. It wasn't efficient, but it was good enough. He kept the offense moving, and he was tremendous on defense. And he had, in the lineage, the pantheon of incredible dunks against Detroit, we have DeMar... We have James Johnson, and we have this OG dunk. He po- like he posterized um, Marvin Bagley the third, and so is is Marvin Bagley a third or a second? Third. Okay, yeah, I thought I thought I was right. All right. So anyway, he posterizes him, and also I was corrected on Twitter. He didn't drop kick Killian Hayes on the way. It was a crescent kick, but you know he didn't mean to do it. But to do these two things at the same time, because as we know, when OG goes up. He like his bottom half allows him to lift and then his bottom half kind of ceases existing. His legs start flowing everywhere in the air. And this is why he's gotten a lot of offensive fouls is like he's kneeing people. He's kicking them in the face and all that. He dunked before he kicked the guy. So the refs weren't paying attention to all that. Although I'm sure Killian Hayes felt it Um, a bit of a talking too long on this crescent kick, but it was, it was pretty fantastical. Um, Do you, Hey, do you want to, do you want to jump in at any point? Covered the crescent kick. Okay. I'll show you some Booker T highlights from WCW. Right. You can get all your your axe kick and your scissor kick. Get get them all down. You're going to talk about 
scissor cuts and split cuts and yeah. stuff like that. There are as many iterations of that as there are of, of okay. kicks in the in between the ropes. Sh- is it Shelton Benjamin or Sheldon? Shelton. 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 Yeah, I'm gonna watch some Shelton Benjamin um, film after this, just so I can acquaint myself a little bit better. Uh, who else? Why, hang on. Why <laughs> Shelton Benjamin? He's such an athlete. Guy. He's such an athlete. A collegiate wrestler, teammate of Brock Lesnar in Minnesota. See, this is the these are the insights I would never have without you. Um, Coloco as well. Coloco, uh, eight points. I think this was his best, I guess, offensive finesse game. There, there were games, obviously, we saw when there was a couple games in a row where the lob was working a little bit. But even then, the lob was working like on 40% of passes that were coming his way. Some he brought down, lost it. Some were blocked in air. A, a couple connected. But it was nice to see him in that low usage role where sometimes the ball found him on offense and he's able to just kind of turn and whether it's 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 all within 10 feet, but an eight-foot push shot is not the same as a two-foot push shot. This And, you know, having contested airspace as a dunker and stuff like that, Coloco finishing a game with 100% shooting, albeit on two attempts, I don't care. He also made four free throws in this one too. So this was, as far as that goes, nice to see. Also, um, I've talked about it on the podcast before. I've tweeted about it. I'm watching all of his pick-and-roll defense tape uh, I'm not sure if Gary being gone matters for the Well, I know that Gary being gone matters a little bit for the the point of attack as far as playing drop for Coloco. But the drop in this game was was better than probably six or seven of the games I've seen so far. So that's nice to see. Um, it's not guaranteed that this is static across all games that he's made this improvement, but if uh, if you see things getting better, I, I, I think you should comment on it. And so Coloco, there was there were some positives defensively in this one as well, and maybe some of that has to do with the the ball handlers on the Pistons being more limited at the point of attack too. But hey, uh, I, I was also going to talk about Wancho because we're talking about Thad and running delay action and like split action and stuff like that. And one of the best ways to run split action or delay is if you have shooters. And while Wancho has not threatened as a, a tremendous shooter at the NBA level, he's certainly relative to his size, been a good shooter. He just came off a summer where he was an absolute heat pump and he was a, the finals MVP, right? So uh, that was really nice to see. And he was playing pretty well off of Thad's gravity as a passer. We've been looking, and you know, as I've said a couple times in this podcast, wanting to be able to glean positives out of guys you weren't able to when you're down a couple. And the Raptors are down four of their rotation guys. Wancho, despite not being the best guy who stepped in, the fact that he gives you like 23 minutes, and the defense I didn't really like, but he gives you 23 minutes, nine points, six boards, three assists, a couple nice passes too, Um, a ball mover, heady on offense in this game, moved well off of it, canned a triple, like that's that's exactly what you need because there are some dead minutes during a game where you're just trying to create points. The Raptors have spent so much of the past few years trying to outskirt and outrun droughts offensively. And despite guys like OG and Wancho not being efficient in this game, just the fact that they're even close to middling efficiency or even subpar efficiency is better than where the Raptors are during some of these droughts. And that's what kept them moving. Same with, same with Malachi Flynn, who 
he was obviously much more efficient in the broad sense of like, hey, 12 points on six shots. Very good. Everybody likes that. Some nice shooting in this game. Got to the rim. Like he had this awesome split and then went up against, I believe it was Jalen Duran and Sadiq Bey and, and got fouled. He very nearly got an end one. That was really nice to see. He did struggle on the defensive end though. But just having guys step in, like, you know, it's, Coloco was a positive in this game. Flynn won his minutes. Wancho won his minutes. Doughton and Birch didn't. But, you know, the bench coming in and the majority of guys winning their minutes, that's incredibly meaningful. The Raptors at the end of this game, I think you just have to say, like, well done, because you were up against it. The Pistons are not some behemoth lying ahead of them, but the narrative kind of makes it so. There's there's a shared history there between Dwayne Casey's revenge and the Raptors exercising demons or something like that, right? Like DeMar went, Casey went, Kawhi, Kawhi and Nurse both took up their positions in the in the roster, the coach and the star player, and they won the very next year. And suddenly the Raptors are, you know, I think it was DeMar's first game against the Raptors. He had a triple-double, right? And, and the win. And uh, Nick Nurse, or sorry, Dwayne Casey has been winning with the Pistons over the Raptors for forever now, ever since he left. And so this is a cool thing, just to kind of look at all these guys, be it Banton or or Coloco or Delton Jr., Flynn, Wancho, all these guys come in. They give you these plus performances relative to what you expect. That's so nice to see. This game, when we step away from it, I think this is one that people will remember all season. Sometimes there, there are games like that. And, and there will be the hardcore fans who remember this game for quite some time. There's just enough going on. And especially these are the fun games when you look at Delano Banton. Whatever, you know, hitting the, the threes, like he had a couple against Indiana. He, he's been hitting more of his catch-and-shoot threes lately. He had, a, he had a pull-up three as well, not in this game, but prior. And some of the, like, the pull-up mid-range juice, his use of like hezies to keep defenders at bay. He got called for a carry, so something to keep an eye on. Jordan Poole has been uh, unceremoniously removed from impact because he's adjusting to that as well. But it's if Banton makes something of himself, this game is going to be like that, that watershed moment. You look back on this game and you can see like, oh, so many of the things that are present now where he's an established rotation guy and he's good and you know maybe it's starter maybe it's whatever but you look at this game and you say we saw a lot of it tonight and that's that's my favorite thing about these games and and even OG and like guys like uh Chris Chris in this game you got to see so much of what he isn't doing but went back to for a game like this because Chris is the guy who completely changed his game from being this featuring focal point offensively this guy who's going to rim run and a guy who's going to play in the pick and roll and his first big year at the NBA level featured a lot of volume from three and like being a little bit better than most bigs at offense. But he changed that up because the hierarchy of the, of the offense changed. Kyle Lowry left. Fred Van Vliet makes different pick and roll passes. Pascal Siakam does as well. It meant that Boucher had to find a different way. And in this game, he gets to turn back the clock a little bit and give you more of that offensive feature stuff. And so he's going to get 20 points in other games this season, and a lot of it is going to be off cuts and offensive rebounds and stuff like that. But I don't know if we get another game this year where Chris Boucher hits three mid-range jumpers in a row. I don't know if we get another Banton 27-point game. I don't know if we get Flynn 12 points. I don't know if we get Wancho 9 points. And especially 
we're probably not getting all those things under one roof. That's that's the coolest part of this game. And to do it against the Pistons, considering the narrative and uh, the term monkey off the back, there's a bunch of different colloquialisms about it. But they, they accomplished what they wanted to in this game. That's what you want to see. That's as a viewer, as an analyst, that was really great to watch. And um, yeah, I, I loved uh, I loved that game. It's it's really nice to kind of kick back and and enjoy the young guys, the unsung heroes. Actually, find that moniker, the hero aspect of it, because they're always unsung. So hell yeah to everybody doing that. The uh, Reggie Evans Award. Hmm. I feel like I want to give it to Jeff Delton Jr. Just because he came in. He also got jobbed, dude, because he got pushed on the back. He stole that late rebound, and then they called him out of bounds. But Marvin Bagley was applying that pressure. He was he was in the mix, dude. And uh, that last possession, not that Reggie Evans was <laughs> known for like stepping out on a guy like Jaden Ivey and getting a stop. That wasn't his bag whatsoever. But uh, Delton coming in, hustle, grind, all that kind of stuff. Um maybe the next in the Raptors long line of, of merchandise makers where they get like an inspiring tagline or something like that. But yeah, Doton Jr. for the, the Reggie Evans award, I think is, um, is pretty good. And this was, these are his most meaningful minutes at the NBA level. So, uh, and that, that last stop and just being a fan of his for some time, I, he was awesome at summer league, just seeing a guy who could get two feet in the paint, who was mixing it up, creating rotation. That wasn't his bag tonight. But uh, he was able to affect the game in another way. So, yeah. The uh, top quick reaction comment is from Karamba. Quote, before the game, I texted the boys Delano and Flynn for 40 plus tonight. Their goals were well-deserved as those scrubs only put up 39. End quote. Hey, man, that's uh, that's pretty good. And And not to mention, I bet you weren't thinking that it would be Delano who would do the heavy lifting to get the most of the way there. I think everybody, considering the... Um, I guess the legend of Malachi Flynn going around and just torching any pro-am, every pro-am this summer was pretty fun. I think he had, what, like the 72 and the 55-point performances. If you had asked me prior to this game, I would have and said, like, hey, if Delano and Flynn are going to combine for 39 or 40, uh, I think that it's probably going to be Flynn going north of 20 as opposed to Delano. But Delano was the guy who did it tonight. And, and that doesn't mean anything bad for Flynn. It's just really nice that both those guys were able to find pockets of success. More so a pocket for for Flynn, more so just the everything, the full pants uh, for Delano. So yeah, uh, that's that's. thanks for writing in, Gromba. Uh, thanks for listening in, listener. If you're on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, go and subscribe to RaptorsRepublic.com. We're doing so much good work over there all the time. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast channel, uh, thanks just for listening. Keep listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.